Hey there, Kubrick fans. If you like what you hear during this episode, be sure to visit our website at thekubrickseries.com for more episodes and uncut interviews from the series. And you can also consider making a one-time or recurring monthly donation in any amount of your choosing if you'd like to support our podcast. That's thekubrickseries.com. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Kubrick series Uncut. In this episode, we speak with producer Tim Kirk and director Rodney Asher. They're the creative team behind the acclaimed documentary Room 237, which explores the various themes and theories associated with The Shining. This interview was conducted during pre-production on that film. You know, he has the encounter with the young woman and then the old woman, but right after, you know, the young woman is turned into that hag, sort of continuity is broken, and we cut to her, like, sinking into the tub. Mm-hmm. So, that, like, it's a big, it's a, it's a big jump cut, and the question is, is that a vision of her drowning, you know, um, so many years ago back in the hotel, or is that what Danny saw when he walked into the room earlier? So with just a, with one, you know, simple cut from the two shot of Jack and the woman um, in the bathroom to her in the tub, time is confused and fractured and whose point of view we're seeing what from becomes very mysterious and enigmatic really, really quickly. Have you heard any takes on what the the young slash old woman means? Well, I mean, there's the, there's the idea from the book where, I mean, that character actually had a name um, and I think she had committed suicide in the, um, in the pool, in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Tim, do you remember what you know, some of the ideas about... Um, the old, the young woman in the Hagwar. Um, I know there's some Gemini duality uh, theory out there. In The Shining, in particular, there's so many characters are doubled. Um, there's so many doppelgangers from, you know, Jack in the present day to Jack in the photo, the two Grady's, um, Delbert and Charles, the twin sisters, um, mm. um, and there are theories that connect. Actually, Danny and um, and the mo- and the mother to the twin girls. Um, there was this amazing diagram somebody drew of like sort of a shot of the back of Danny on the big wheel and how much it looked like one of the dresses that the girls wear. Mm. That that there that there are you know, characters linked. And gosh, so many of the scenes are shot through mirrors. And and how in the scene with Grady in the in the bathroom, uh, how. They're they're not quite obviously they're surrounded by mirrors and they're not quite looking at each other. Yeah, and there's a yeah, and there's an interesting jump cut in the bathroom scene that's been remarked upon where, you know, it's kind of on on one shot we see you know it's a profile shot and we see Jack and Grady facing each other, and then maybe what's not super unusual for Kubrick but it's kind of a weird um, cut from other people's standards is like the 180 flip where the camera is on the other side of the room mm-hmm. so uh, Jack and Grady literally change places let me ask you about a, a particular shot I, this is the most uh, talked about and argued single shot it lasts for maybe four or five seconds on screen I think I know where you're going I think I do know too <laughs> It's the uh now some people say it's it's when Wendy uh experiences her own shining 
and sees the kind of a rich aristocratic guy in a tuxedo on a bed and and someone some people say in a bear costume some people say in a pig costume uh you know performing an act on that man <laughs> uh sure. what what does it mean <laughs> i guess that's my question well it's interesting it's kind of I, I like that 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 scene in particular. I you know I'm I, I, I'm just embarking on rereading the book. Um, is I, I believe that scene hap- is explained in the book. You know, and that it's one of the things that happened at you know that crazy part that that in the in the in the book it was a costume party in 1945, not a um, um, July 4th party in 20 in um, in the 20s. Um, and what's interesting is like how many things that aren't in the book are sort of in the movie, but with sort of the connection severed. Like there's the scrapbook um, that tells the history of the Overlook Hotel, which is incredibly important in the book. You know, and it's a world that Jack is exploring, and it's kind of suggested that what he's actually writing is the history of the um, hotel, and that the scrapbook is a huge piece of re- research for him. But in the movie, it's never talked about, and it never even gets a close-up. But there's a shot, but there's a shot where it's heavily, heavily in the foreground while Jack is um, having his confrontation with Wendy when she disturbs him at the writing table. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is. Um, I mean, well, that's not a huge. That's not. That's not a huge story about what it means. You know, what it is is. Arguably, a vision of like the height of decadence, um, you know, at the, the, the hotel's past. Um, but depending I, I on where, to... I'm so... go ahead, sorry. Rodney. Please, please, you thought, Rodney. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I know I was just saying. Um, depending on you know the theory that you're going with, you know, the bear can represent. Um, I, there's one. There's a Cold War reading where. The recurrence of bears throughout the movie are, ta- are talking about the Soviet Union and the Cold War. Um, yeah, Jay Weidner, um, in his um, was that Jay? In his theory, yeah, he finds that the the bear represents the Russian bear, and um, and symbolizes the uh, Cold War that was driving the um, the creation of the uh, Apollo uh, uh, space program. Huh. And, th- and there's an- and there's an- and there's another theory that talks a lot about sort of Jack's sexuality. So I don't know if this dot has been connected, but arguably that could be uh, some kind of visualization of um, you know Jack's interior you know sexuality. Jack is there for his inter- interview, uh, and he's sitting out in the waiting room, and they come get him. And he he's, he has a magazine in his hand, and he puts it down, and he follows them into the office. It's a split second. But the magazine that he's looking at is a Playgirl, which is completely – like, well, why the, why the heck would a, play, yeah, would a Playgirl yeah, do that? Yeah. Certainly, if you're going to look at the um, bear – the guy in the bear costume, you know, as some kind of literal um, – some visualization, you know, of Jack's perversity um, – that Wendy sees, that could be another clue pointing to it. Um, mm-hmm. What's amazing to me, I mean, we were, because we had read about it, you know, recently, um, and then we had watched it again, you know, for, for the first time since we read it, you know, last week. 
what was kind of amazing is how casual he is about it. And he's he's completely not embarrassed. In fact, he leaves it like face up on the chair mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that would be incredibly easy for yeah. any of the other characters to read. Um, it, Which is funny because this is you know his 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 new employers, you know. <laughs> right. And there's and no way that, that that magazine would be in the waiting room of that lobby. <laughs> it, it, was, it wouldn't be like Reader's Digest in, in, in the lobby of a hotel, you know. Unless he's saying, unless he's saying something about the decadence of the hotel. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, now, someone has run with this, and um, and um, you, I'm sure, I don't know if you've spoken to him, but he, he uses it a clue that um, that... The, the abuse that Jack, um, you know, you know, early on we find out that Jack had, you know, been physically abusive to uh, Danny, um, mm-hmm. but he takes this as a clue that he perhaps had been sexually abusive as well. Uh, well, another clue he points to is there's some pornography in the engine room. Um, another thing that interests me is the fact that the, the complaint that a lot of people have about how the movie strays from the book and it's a problem that I had when I first watched the movie because I I really enjoyed the book the book is scary because you knew that Jack was capable of this this kind of violence from his previous alcoholism but you felt that he was trying to be a good father and, and prove himself as a good loving father and it was the descent that led to the horror in that story whereas just the act of casting Jack Nicholson in the film, makes a statement that this guy's a little nuts to begin with. Yeah, I think this is a place where me, me and Tim have you know, sort of debated this back and forth a little bit. Um, Tim, uh, you um, trust Jack an awful lot less at the beginning of this movie than I do, if, I, if I'm correct. Because I know when I watch it, I'm always, every time I watch it, I'm rooting for Jack to get his act together um, and to resist, to, to resist the temptation, be a good father, um, and you know, um, concentrate on his responsibilities. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I see it as a very tragic story. You know, f- that Jack is this guy who has had these obstacles and these problems in his life, and he sees this as his last chance to um, to really get his life back together. And you know, clearly it doesn't work. Though every time I watch it, I'm rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm actually waiting for him to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and let, let me explain it. When I first saw this, I was pretty young as well, and the and I I guess I probably continue to um, relate to this film the best as about writer's block or about the creative process mm-hmm. and some of the anguish and isolation that can come from creating. And so for me, I I have a tendency to see Jack's madness as somewhat heroic in the sense that he is he's making this this sacrifice for his work. But you have to you have to admit that there is there's some eloquence in his madness um and that he lacks from earlier in the film. Well, he just he just goes more uh, batshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to curse, but as as the movie yeah. goes along, from one level to the next. Well, oh, totally. 
another experience we had when we just watched it um, was talking about was looking at Jack as a liar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and this was the first time watching it um, during the interview when he says that Wendy is a real horror movie buff. That um, we said, no, she's not. He just made that up this second in order to, you know, relieve the tension of this horrible story. There's nothing in this movie that suggests that Wendy has any interest in horror movies. There's not even anything that suggests that he told her about it um, when when he got back to the house or when he brought her to the hotel. She never says, you know, honey, that murder that happened here <laughs> freaks me out sometimes. <laughs> she never mentions it. She never mentions it. I don't think he ever told her. And she certainly, um, when when we see her watching a movie, it's summer of uh, it's the summer of forty two. It's not a. She's not watching um, Dracula or Frankenstein or Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And in the car, she gets on to Jack about talking about the Donner Party. Exactly. And, yeah. Boy, yeah. Boy. She's not into it. He's lying about is he lying about how how long he's been on the wagon too because I think she says a different time period when she's talking to the doctor than Jack says when he's talking to the bartender. I know what it is. He says here's to five miserable months on the wagon, yet at least a month or two has passed since Wendy made the statement to the doctor saying it's been five. Mm. Well, and what's even okay. more significant is that. Um, it's been three years since he injured Danny's arm, so um, he didn't quit drinking because of that. Mm. You know, um, I think one thing I wanted to mention, I know when you were talking about, like, the Playgirl magazine and the um, guy in the bear suit, there are a lot of details, you know, that kind of stick out that people want to talk about. But I think what's equally significant and one of the reasons um, that the movie sticks with people so much is not all the unusual things that are put in, but how many major things are left out? Um, Like, for instance, the explanation of the scrapbook. And when we saw it last time, what really struck us was after Jack's experience in room 237, when we see him again entering the apartment, his demeanor has changed radically, and he's again lying to to Wendy about what happened. but we never see what made him seemingly he's come to a major decision. There's been a major yeah. turning point for him, but it's off camera, um, which mm-hmm. keeps his character really kind of uh, which keeps him as kind of a puzzle. And I think a lot of these details that have been left out help keep this movie, you know, a puzzle to solve, a, a mystery to be picked apart. 